Zoe, and I would like to get baptized in the name of me choosing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, I came to know Jesus last fall um, after a service. I had felt goosebumps from the choir singing, and uh, I kind of was like, oh, maybe, and, like, I felt in my life like I had people around me, but I never really felt like I had somebody, if that makes sense. And when I realized maybe I should talk to God and see how that would work out, and after I talked to him, I actually felt that weight lifted off my shoulders, and I actually felt like I have someone there always, and I realized that I always had someone there. I just needed to accept that and accept him, but I would like to get baptized for him. Hi, my name is Shannon. I was scared and alone at one point. I had pain and abuse. I was a person who had made choices that weren't so good in my life. I let my body be physically, mentally, and emotionally abused. A person who was a friend said, you need Jesus, and I thank Linda for that. When the addiction was so bad at my worst, my son was six years old. Linda led me into recovery and my faith. Years later, COVID happened and our church closed and my faith and hope was in lost. I again felt to feel alone and nowhere to turn. I then began a job in which that also led me to a emotional abuse and it took me to my breaking point. Then an amazing friend named Ben helped me realize I needed church, Jesus, and meetings. So I began looking for meetings. I looked and looked, and one that kept returning to me was at North Star. So I finally got up the nerve to attend that meeting. I walked into that meeting at North Star with much confidence, even though I was extremely scared. I shared at that meeting and walked out of that meeting that night wondering, what else goes on behind these closed doors? I asked my friend who and I had discussed going to church if we could try North Star. That Sunday, everyone was so kind and amazing. The following Sunday, I attended again, but this time I was here by myself. It was the week of Simon. They were again asked to return that evening. I returned that evening and shared my whole story with a room full of strangers. And I sin again was like, what is happening? The next time I was back, people knew me. Yeah, they knew me. I had joined the revival, and I was loving every minute of revival. Volunteered for the care center, volunteering in the nursery, and also being a greeter. This is the church I have wanted to spend my whole life with, and I have been searching forever. Jesus had found me, and I had found Jesus. Now that I had Jesus in my life, I'm walking with Jesus. I love the opportunities Jesus has given me to serve here in this amazing church called North Star. I thank all of you here at North Star and the events you have scheduled along with the events that are scheduled within the Care Center. I highly also appreciate David, Cody, and Rusty. When I walked into North Star at a moment, I began praying and this led me to know that I had Jesus in my heart and I'm professing Christ as the King and this is why I want to be baptized today. Beautiful, beautiful. It's, it takes bravery to come up here and hold the mic and share that. So I, I am so grateful for that. Can I take a, a little risk here? I, I would love to pray over each of you and just see what the Holy Spirit has to say over you. He, he has encouragement and love for us all the time. And sometimes we skip over that to not listen. So can I, can I do that? So Holy Spirit, come. Lord, what do you have to say for each of these two women? Holy Spirit, come. 
the Holy Spirit come. All right, so sometimes the pictures I get feel a little funny until I let the Lord kind of give an explanation of it. But, but for you, I feel like I see one of those apple peelers. Like you stick it on the thing and it peels off the edges and then you're left with the flesh of it. Um, and I wonder if the Lord's having you in a season of stripping away some of the things that have gotten stuck on you um, and allowing you to walk in just the pureness that he originally designed you and created you to be. Um, so if that's of you, Lord, I just pray that in. I pray for grace over the season that there would be... Uh, um, a kindness and a gentleness in the pairing away and the pulling away, uh, the cutting away, and ask for just the purity of who you have made her to be, Lord, shine through and her to operate out of love from that position, Lord. And I just, um, yeah, I just want to pray over you too. Holy Spirit, come. What do you have for Jenny, Lord? What do you have? I feel like I'm, I'm hearing that he sees you and he hears you. Your words matter to him. Um, I, I feel like I see you like even in your closet just by yourself kneel down praying to the Lord and he's like oh sweetheart come and find me I see you and I want you to talk with me and so Lord I just pray over over her Lord give her this gift of intercessory intercessory prayer Lord give her the seed of intercessory right in her core Lord I pray that that all the moments that she is spending um, interacting with you the carved out moments and the everyday mundane moments where she just she, she offers it to you Lord uh, would all of those moments be received um, by her, that she is loved and seen by you, Father God. Amen. So my challenge for you all, for the rest of the day, as, as either of these two women pop up in your mind, continue to pray over them, continue to bless them. All right, so now the part of North Star culture is that when we baptize individuals that we get to celebrate with them. We were talking about this with my family yesterday and we told the kids, you, you, have your, you blow out the candles and we have your birthday party to celebrate your birthday. That's not actually your, your birthday, but we celebrate it. So this in the same way is how we celebrate your salvation, celebrate this, this gift that, that you guys have decided. So let's head over that way. You guys can all stand up and pray alongside as we do uh, these baptisms.
morning. We seal that in. We seal in this decision and this celebration in both of these women's lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So if any of you guys have the nudge to, to be baptized, please, please go to Connecting Point. We'd love to have a conversation with you. See if that's something that you would like to do in the near or far future. And uh, we just encourage you, meet someone around you, say hello, and we'll get to the announcements. Good morning. Welcome to North Star, where we go to the missing, love the marginalized, and live as God's kids. My name is Becca Yoxheimer, and our family has been coming here for about five years. Um, We're just so thankful that you can join us both here and online. If you are new and want to get connected, you can do so by, um, there's an online code located on the screen behind me, or if you're in person, you can go to the connecting point out in the foyer after service and also pick up the new 2024 Pathway Journals. Um, And also on the same link that if you feel led to give, you can give. If you're here in person, you can drop them off over by the glass doors. And as always, more than 25% of our giving goes to local and global missions. Um, I do have a lot of announcements. And the first is that yesterday, the Care Center had their Christmas store. And it was such an awesome time. There's some slides behind me where the kids in our community got to pick out gifts for their caregivers and have hot cocoa and eat cookies and have those gifts beautifully wrapped. And so we just want to thank you to the volunteers and people who donated to the store. And as I was volunteering with my family, it took me back because I was one of those kids one day. Um, A long time ago, my dad commandeered a military plane out of war-torn Vietnam, and so when we came to America, we didn't have anything, so naturally for Christmas, there were no Christmas presents, but one of the churches had a Christmas store, um, and there was a table full of gifts, and I remember being so excited to be able to pick out a game, and it was Candyland, which is ironic because I'm a dentist, but I loved Candyland. And um, it just makes me feel that, you know, even though these kids are small and little, that we can have an impact on them to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that they are seen, loved, and valued by God. So I just want to thank you guys for donating your time and your money to, so that they can have gifts and just remember that just a joyous time of Christmas. The next announcement is that uh, we are having a three-week course on family discipleship. And this is just a way for our kids to be able to connect with Jesus and to grow deeper into knowing him. And so there is childcare that is provided, and kids uh, grades 3 through 8th grade will break out into small groups. So it's a teaching session, and then we'll break into groups. And that is on January 21st, 28th, and February 4th, and just make sure you sign up for that. Uh, The next announcement is our church-wide holiday calendar. Um, We are having a Christmas Eve service, which is on uh, Saturday, December 23rd, and it's at 6 o'clock and 7.30 p.m. And then on Christmas Eve, we will not be having church service. And then on December 31st, for New Year's Eve, we, we will not be having service, but we will be having a live broadcast, so just make sure you tune in for that, and we just want to make sure that you're able to spend time with friends and family to ring in the new year. 
And the last announcement is our Pathway journals are here for 2024, so you could pick those up through these uh, wooden doors and also at the connecting point. It's just a way that we can um, just dive deeper into Scripture and just to hear God's Word on a daily basis. So let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer as we welcome Cody up for the message. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for being a good God. We thank you for being a loving God. We thank you, Lord, for being a God who cares for each and every person, Lord, even the little ones that come through the care center, through North Star, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we are a church that can be the hands and feet of Jesus, Lord, so they they can feel your presence, so that they can feel loved, seen, and valued, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for North Star. We thank you for Cody for giving the message, Lord. Open our hearts and our ears and our hearts to hear what he has to say. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Becca. Hey, y'all. My name is Cody. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we're so thankful you're with us today. We're in a sermon series called New Song, and as we've been learning, uh, God's favorite kind of song is a new song, and he commands us multiple times in scripture to sing a new song and that he's doing a new thing, and God's really not interested in us perpetuating old habits in our life. Old, uh, he, he's not interested in us identifying ourselves by our history. He's interested in doing a new thing in us and through us and for us, and so a new song is his favorite kind of song. And Last week, David, he was talking about one of the oldest songs of the book that we're tempted to sing over our life, and it's the song of shame. And we let shame define us, and we let shame tell us who we are, and God is singing a new song, and so go listen to that if you were not here last week. But this week, we want to talk about another old song that we're tempted to sing. It's one of the oldest songs in the book. It's the song of power or control, how we're tempted to take power and grab power, and uh, so we want to sing a new song. And when I say power, uh, maybe you think of someone who's like really big and strong and muscular, or maybe when I say power, you think of somebody who has a fancy title, they make a lot of money, they, they oversee a lot of people, and those are forms of power, but there's countless ways that we all try to grab power or position ourselves in, in, in ways of power like for, for some of us, knowledge is power, right? Charisma is power. The way we engage with people, maybe that's how you exude power. Uh, some people use sex appeal as a, a form of power. Uh, weapons can make us feel powerful. The sports teams you associate with can make you feel powerful. Driving a souped-up car, a muscle car, or a jacked-up Jeep, or a big truck, that can make us feel powerful. And uh, as a nation, we get nervous as a nation when certain other nations have too much power, when they have other weapons, or when they control too many resources, or the e- economy, or whatever. We get nervous, or we get nervous when technology becomes too powerful, right? There's all sorts of power dynamics and ways that we try to feel powerful. And as we talk about that, I have to reveal some of my heart. Uh, There's part of me that feels powerful when I get the microphone to talk with five to 600 of you on a Sunday morning. And if I'm not careful, that power can lead to pride and pride leads to death. It leads to destruction in my life and in people's lives around me. Um, And so power can uh, do some harm. But Power is also not a bad thing, right? Like it says in the book of Joshua that we're to be strong and courageous. And it says in 2 Timothy that the Lord gave us a spirit of power. So power is not bad. Jesus shows power. Like power can be a good thing. So why am I talking about power? Why does it matter? Well, first off, we as humans, we are very likely to worship things that we see as powerful, We're all made to worship something, and it's likely that that we're tempted to worship people that we see as powerful or things that we see as powerful. So we need to do heart checks of what we see as powerful in our life. 
The second reason I think power matters is because power can be so deceiving. Like again, power leads to pride and pride can make us think that we've got life under control. Pride can make us think that we can do things on our own, that we know how to navigate life. And before we know it, we're doing what we see is right. We're living our own truth. We're being our own North Star, right? That can be where power leads. And, and this is what fools do, right? It's a fool who trusts in their own understanding. It's a fool who does what they see is right. And uh, throughout, throughout the talk today, I want to show an analogy from Crew. Crew's a parachurch ministry, and they have the throne analogy. This is the first circle in the throne analogy. Um, and and in, this, in this imagery here, self is on the throne. That's what S stands for. And as you can see, God, the, the cross here, is not anywhere in the sphere of self. And then the little dots just symbolize chaos, because when, we, when we're on our own throne, when when we're ruling our own life, it's a life of chaos, right? And so someone who has like a complete power trip, they might be tempted to be on their own throne. And I want to talk about two guys in the Bible who they positioned themselves in, in, in positions of power and they were obsessed with power. It was their whole narrative. The first guy I want to tell you about is Augustus Caesar. This is the guy that, uh, you know, Joseph and Mary, they had to go to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. It's because this guy said so, right? Like he, he was the ruler of basically the free world, the ruler of Rome. And anyone who had the name Caesar would have had a power complex because anyone named Caesar uh, would have gone through a coronation process where they, where they were crowned as Caesar. And it would have involved being uh, draped in royal purple robes and they would shout, hail Caesar. And there would be a, a published announcement throughout the land. They would send messengers throughout the land that euangelion has taken place. Now, euangelion means good news. So they were announcing that there is the good news of a new Caesar in power. That word also translates to gospel. And so there's a lot of parallels with Caesar and with Jesus, right? He had his own coronation process. He had his own gospel. More on that later. And before I tell you more about Augustus, I need to tell you about his father, Julius. Julius thought he was God, and a lot of people around him did as well. In Ephesus, we, there's a recorded artifact that says that Julius was the manifest God from Ares and Aphrodite and the universal savior of human life. And if Julius was God, then who does that make his son? the son of God, right? And so when Julius died, here is what uh, Augustus's title was. He was God from God, Emperor Caesar Augustus, savior and benefactor. And in 12 AD, Augustus, uh, he made himself Pontifus Maximus, which was the chief priest of Rome and the head of the Collegium Pontificum, the highest governing body of priests in the land. So I think it's fair to say this dude, like he, he had probably in his heart a lot of power dynamic, right? He, he was in positions of power. And then the other guy I want to tell you about is Herod the Great. Now, Augustus was ruler over all, but Herod was ruler over the specific area where Jesus was born. And this guy was so power obsessed that he was paranoid that anyone was going to take his throne. And so uh, Herod, he called himself King of the Jews. And uh, he would have people put to death who threatened his throne. First off, his wife's brother was the high priest. He had him drown in his palace pool because he threatened his power. He put 46 members of the Sanhedrin to death. He eventually had his mother-in-law and his wife and their two sons all killed because of their lineage and how he was afraid they were going to take his throne. 
Augustus Caesar, again, the, the main ruler, he once said of Herod the Great that it's better to be Herod's dog than it is to be one of Herod's sons because of how paranoid he was. And so given this information, it's not shocking that during the Christmas season, we see in Matthew chapter two, that when Herod the Great heard that the Messiah was going to be born, this, this king who would one day be in control of everything, Herod the Great's response was to have every baby boy two years and under slaughtered in the village where the Messiah was to be born. This is known throughout history as the massacre of innocents. Herod was right about one thing. There was a king coming who would challenge his throne, but he could do absolutely nothing about it. Jesus was coming to invade heaven and earth. And today, as we look at Christmas, I want us to look at Christmas through the lens of invasion. There will be a quote on the screen behind me. Christmas is the invasion of human history by the creator of heaven and earth. It's Jesus piercing through the darkness with light. He's invading heaven and earth. And when we look at it through this lens, we know that the angel that you know, revealed himself to Zechariah and prophesied what was going to happen, this was an invasion announcement. And the, the angel that revealed himself to Mary and later to Joseph, this was an invasion announcement. And what we're gonna look at today, it, it's further announcing this invasion of the coming Christ and it ushers in our new song for today. So. We're in uh, Luke chapter 2 today, and as we read, I've highlighted a few words that highlight power or kingship, because this, this is all point, pointing towards this new king. So read along with me, uh, Luke 2, starting in verse 8. It says, There were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I want to pause right here. I forgot to mention this. We've talked about angels for three weeks in a row, and the word angel is a Greek word. It translates to angelos, and it primarily means messenger. So angels did other things, but their primary function was messenger. So this messenger came, uh, glory shone around them, verse 10. All right, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid, because I bring you what? I bring you good news. Here's that euangelion word again, that gospel word again. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, and here's our song for today. It's just one verse, short song. It's glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So let's break down this song. Glory to God in the highest heaven. That was a common phrase that the Jews would use among one another to greet one another or as they worshiped God. And it depicted, it, it was the image, it was the idea that his glory is so big, he's so worthy of praise that it should be heard up to the highest heaven or to the farthest corners of the universe. And then on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Another biblical translation says, peace uh, on those with whom he is pleased. Meaning that now King Jesus has come down to earth. Those who are of his kingdom, those who are of his mission and his name, he, he, he will be pleased with them. And so what we gather from this text is that without a doubt, these angels, these messengers, they were bringing euangelion they were bringing gospel pronouncing the new king 
right? And so here's how the shepherds responded is I'm sure first they had to like pick their jaws up off the floor, this wild experience. Once they got their composure, they left their sheep and they went and they found Jesus and Joseph and Mary and, and they worshiped him. And I'm sure they shared in a lot of excitement with the, the new mother and father. And, and then verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so these shepherds, they began to tell other people what they saw with the angel, and then they found Jesus, just as they said. And they became gospel messengers themselves. They became euangelion messengers themselves. And so this is such a beautiful moment in history. And in this interaction with the angels and the shepherds and Jesus— it points out a few characteristics of Jesus. It points out, there's many, but there's two I want to point out. Two characteristics of Jesus in this moment is we see both his might and his meekness. We see the fact that, the fact that it was these angels and heavenly hosts like making this announcement, that was might. That showed a glimpse of the might of Jesus and who he would become. But then it's also filled with meekness. And let me, like the word meekness, when you hear meek, you might think weak or timid. That's the biblical definition of meekness is power under control. And so we see in this scenario that yes, although these mighty angels revealed uh, themselves to the shepherds, they were still revealing themselves to shepherds. Those were meek people, right? Shepherds were not the powerful people of the day, the most influential people of the day, not the most strategic people to reveal yourself to, and that shows God's meekness. We also see meekness through Jesus's willingness to come to earth as a baby. He could have came as a powerful king out of the east and just set everything in place, but that's not what our Savior does. He comes as a helpless, weak child born into a poor family with little resources, like nothing more than just two teenagers who probably had no idea what they were doing, right? Like this shows the meekness and the heart of our God. And then this theme of meek and might, it's going to continue throughout the life of Jesus and because my mind works best with a table, I, I, put a ta I made a table out of this, just showing some examples of his meek and his might. So uh, we see that when Jesus starts his public ministry, he has enemies who, who want him to, to do miracles for them, and he's not willing to jump through their hoops or play their games, and so he doesn't reveal his power in that moment, and that's meekness. But then there's other moments where Jesus does reveal his power, and he does crazy things like telling a storm to stop storming, and it listens. This is a glimpse of his might, right? We see it again in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus allows himself to be arrested. He allows himself to be taken away, to be questioned, beaten, mocked, put on a cross. He, he allows this to happen. That's meek, right? And he said if he wanted to, he could have called down legions of angels to just decimate everybody. So this is power under control. But right before Jesus allows himself to be arrested, this is a glimpse of his might, right before he allows himself to be arrested, a legion of soldiers surrounds him. And I assume these were like the special ops guys of that day. And uh, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And the whole legion of soldiers fall on their face. Like that's a tiny glimpse of his might, right? Just, just revealing a little bit of his might, his power under control. The last two examples I want to talk about, I want to dive a little bit deeper into because there's some beautiful stuff here about kingship, about this theme we're talking about. First off, Jesus shows his meekness through his triumphal entry when he goes into Jerusalem and people are worshiping him. He's on a donkey. And uh, at that time, if a leader enters a city on a donkey, it symbolized peace. 
But then when Jesus comes back again, as it says in Revelation chapter 19, uh, he's going to be riding on a white horse and the angel armies are going to be behind him and his full might will be on display, right? This is what's prophesied about in uh, Revelation 19. And so, again, I, I want to hone in on the, these two examples because there's some really cool connections and language for us in this kingship uh, theme. And so, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem during the triumphal entry, the people praising him, they used the exact same phrase that the angels used to the shepherds. The, again, the, the, the phrase the angel. Yes, the phrase the angels used was glory to God in the highest heaven. And then we see in Luke 19, during the triumphal entry, here's what the people said. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so they were declaring this king comes not on his own name, his own authority, but, but by the authority of the Lord, right? This is beautiful, and in a way, it, it declares his might, but I'm still going to argue that his triumphal entry was a depiction of his meekness, because again, he was on a humble donkey, and he didn't have the normal triumphal procession that most important people would have. Usually, back in this time period, if there was a king, a ruler, a politician, a, a high-up general, or someone in the military, if they were entering into a city, they would have a triumphal procession, and it could include a parade of animals and soldiers carrying weapons and shiny armor, and there would be burning incense and trumpeteers and people walking with banners depicting the person of importance, right? Jesus didn't have any of that. He had some people shouting nice things about him, but, but none of that was on display. And I think the reason why is all of that is going to come when he comes back again, right? Because Revelation 19, when he comes, it says the skies are going to split and the trumpet is going to sound. and It'll be on a white horse, which symbolizes war, with the angel armies behind him and he'll have a sword coming out of his mouth and his robe is dipped in blood. And I don't know what of that is metaphorical or what of that is real, but he's going to come back in power, right? And there's going to be no wondering who's in control. There's going to be no debate about who has power and authority in that moment. Philippians 2 says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so right now, at, at this point in history, before he's come back again, we all still have the ability to align with his kingdom. Like through his meekness, right? Jesus came, he took the death that you and I deserved, he paid the punishment for us so that we could be made right with God, so that we could be children of God and in his kingdom, and that is his meekness. And, and I, can I be honest with y'all? Um, again, right now on this side of history, before Jesus comes again, Jesus, he doesn't just want our affection, he doesn't want us to just kind of believe in him or, or kind of sort of agree with the ways that, that Jesus does things. No, he wants all of us, right? Like Jesus, he's not concerned with part of you. He wants all of you, including your power, including your control. And the ways that you and I try to cling to those things is cute, but it doesn't get us anywhere, right? It actually does the exact opposite. It leads to our downfall. And this is the old song again, that we're tempted to sing, where we hold on to things, where we latch on to things. And so some of us, we want to remain in control, and I'll put the second circle up there from the throne analogy. Some of us, we want to remain in control. We're still on the throne, but as you can see, the cross is a little bit closer. It's now inside the sphere, but life is still chaotic. Life is still a mess. Some of us, this is what we're tempted to do. Yeah, I believe in God, but I still want my, I still want things to go to my way, right? Right? <laughs> 
And I want you to use your imagination for a second. Put on your imagination cap. I want you to imagine that there was a, a king, and he's both powerful and he's good. And he goes away on a long journey. And when he comes back, he walks into his royal room where the throne is at, and sitting on the throne is a peasant. And so in that moment, the king is feeling meek. So instead of having the peasant killed and his whole family killed, which he could have done, he goes up and he says, what are you doing here? Why are you on my throne? And the peasant has the audacity to start bartering with the king. He says, king, I'm going to let you continue to rule some obscure far parts of the kingdom that don't really matter to day-to-day life. But in terms of what really matters here and now, I'm going to control. And here's the good news, king. I'll even let you keep your title as king. Isn't that cute? Like, you'll still have the title king. I'll still profess you as king, but I'm in control. Right? Like, this is what we tend to do in our life with Jesus. We want to give him certain small parts of it. Meanwhile, he just wants the whole thing. Right? Like, Jesus wants absolutely all of us. And so, this, uh, you can put up the third circle up there. Obviously, shocker, uh, the What God desires for us is to be in control of our lives, to be on the throne, to be ruling and reigning. That self is still there, and then life is not chaotic anymore, but it's, it's, everything is at peace because when we live in God's world, God's way, things make sense. He's designed it to work that way. And, And here's what I know is that this is absolutely terrifying for many of us, right? The idea of giving up power and control freaks a lot of us out. And and for some of us, we have good reason why. Some of us are control freaks or power hungry because people have hurt us in the past or or they've, um, they've taken away our voice. They've taken away our power. And so as a survival tactic, some of us have hardened hearts that say, I'm not going to let anybody in. I'm not going to let anyone, I'm not going to give trust to anybody, right? So this is why this is really, really scary. And yet the good news is that he's the good shepherd, and he so desires good things for your life. Not saying he'll make life easy, but he makes it worthwhile, and he has good things promised for us. He's the good shepherd. He's the good king. He's, all, he's meek, right? He's not just mighty. He's not just powerful and domineering. He's also meek, and he's gentle, and he's lowly, and he invites us in. And so I don't know for you what area of life you need to give up the throne uh, there's, there's countless ways that we could give power back to God, right? Maybe it's in our finances. Maybe we need to start giving or tithing. Maybe we need to give God our dreams or our insecurities, the things that we're tempted to idolize in our life. Uh, maybe, maybe what we need to do to give God power back is admitting out loud that there's an area of our life that's out of control, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, a relationship, something's out of control, and maybe you need to invite an accountability partner or a, a trusted friend into your life that could be Jesus for you, that could point you towards Christ. Maybe there's an area of your life that you know he wants to be king over, and you don't want to give him that area because you're really comfortable in that area, and you know that he just wants to come and shake it all up. Maybe that's you. Uh, or maybe, uh, maybe there's a hard situation that you're actually fearful of stepping into, but knowing that you have the power of Christ, the authority, not your own power, but the authority of Christ, he actually wants you to step into those situations because in him we're enough. I, I don't know what it is. It could be any number of things, And I don't know how Jesus has revealed himself to you, 
But I do know through my story and through hearing many of your stories, most of us have held on to the throne till the very last second because we're convinced that we could do it on our own. We're convinced that we're a better king of our own life. And it's only when life has absolutely broken us that we realize that we're not a good king of our own life. And and maybe there's some of you in the room today that that would be true of you, that you find yourself in utter brokenness. You find yourself in a helpless situation And maybe you're finally ready to admit that you were never meant to be on the throne, but you want Christ to come and rule and reign in your place. And we would love to pray with you through that, or you can do that on your own. It's just calling out to God and saying, I don't want to be king anymore. I give it up. I give up the throne, and I invite you into my heart. Here's my question for everyone in the room. Uh, I think we had the three circles up there. Here's the question is, what would people say of your life? Would people say, you know, of course, so-and-so isn't perfect. They have their flaws. They have their bad days. But by and large, that, that, that so-and-so is letting Jesus be the ruler of their life, that they're letting Jesus be the king. Or would they say, you know, they're, they're really the captain of their own ship in this area or that area. What would people say of us? And as we get closer to Christmas, May we assess our hearts and maybe wrestle with where we stand with the Lord and and how we proclaim him. And we want to more and more, we want to proclaim his invasion and we want to proclaim his his coronation and his resurrection. And the new song in our life is that we're not king anymore. We want Jesus to rule and reign in that place. And and may um, professing him as king lead us to a place of worship. I want to invite the band up. Here's the deal. We don't worship God because he needs it. God loves our worship. He absolutely loves it, but he doesn't need it. You and I are the one who needs it. Remember, all of us worship something, right? We all will worship something. What is it that you're worshiping? And how could you put the Lord in that place? And so we want to respond right now. We're going to have prayer teams up front. Come get prayer for any area where you want to put the Lord back on the throne of your life. We're also going to have communion up front here. And communion is the practice of remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Anyone who's a believer in Jesus is welcomed up. Uh, The crackers representing his broken body, the juice representing his blood, and we do it in remembrance of him. And then our response song for today is called Revelation Song. And it's not a Christmas song, but it's a song that, like, this is why Jesus came during Christmas, is to point towards when we're reunited with him in the new heaven and the new earth. And so this song, it points towards uh, him sitting on the throne, completely in control, and worshiping him in his might. And so would you stand and pray with me? God, we come before you, and uh, we admit that we're not good kings of our own life. And this is a a lesson we have to learn over and over again of giving you the throne, giving you what you deserve. God, every breath out of our mouth is only because you allow it. Like we are only here breathing our next breath because you're in control. So Father, would you forgive us for the ways that we try to white knuckle life and take power back? Everything is yours anyways, God. So help us to align with what you're already doing. Help us to worship you now. It's in your name we pray, amen.